What's up everybody? This is Jared here with Heat Press Nation and this is Customizing Culture. This is the HPN podcast where we dive deeper into the t-shirt and customization industry. Today I have a very, very special guest. He is your favorite influencer's influencer, you guys. I'm here with none other than John Phenom. John, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, stoked to be on the podcast. Dude, it, it's so exciting to have you here. I feel like like whoever the Beatles were listening to, like like that's who that's where you're at right now. So like wow. I feel like I'm I'm like talking to like my hero's hero. Wow. So yeah, so it's really, really cool. It's an honor. I couldn't believe you were local, by the way. Yeah. So not too much of a drive for you, right? Yeah. Uh, I have I am right here, really close to, to this area, but um I would call it just outside of LA. So yeah, like nice. Yeah, when you have the conversations of people like, Oh, we're in LA, uh oh, it's debatable. Like, there's oh, that's so not many LA. little towns. Yeah. I, I tell people I live on the edge of LA because right. I'm in I live in Pomona. So right. it's literally the last city in LA County. Uh-huh. So like, I think even on my Twitter, it's like edge of LA, edge of Los Angeles. I'm literally on the edge of LA County. But yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm cool. like in like I like the suburbs. The first uh, the first property I ever bought was like in Torrance. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice, and then yeah. some people that were probably grew up in Torrance were like, Why why did you live in Torrance? And I was <laughs> like, dude, I, I like Torrance. Yeah. It's a great yeah. neighborhood. So I'm in a suburb now, but I'm in LA. It's funny because I grew up in San Diego and still people will oh. be like, Are you still in San Diego? And I'm like, bruh, I've been in LA for like over five years. Jeez. Yeah, I oh, love I, yeah. San Diego, by the way. My wife is from San Diego. Yeah. She's from she's from the border. She's okay. from uh San Isidro. San Isidro. Yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so we're we're out there at least once a month and yeah. dude. I love LA Mexican food. Yeah, but you can't beat San Diego Mexican food. It's is it's really it's really really good. It definitely rivals uh, a lot of the the border city food. Well, I mean, yeah. people migrate from it, but I grew up there, so uh, yeah, I got a ton of love for San Diego. I mean, I'll, I'll probably nice. I'll, I can't live there because I grew up there, mm-hmm. but if it's a beautiful city, yeah, I, I love to visit. Yeah, every time. So I'm, I see. I'm already going off on a tangent. You could you yeah, see why leash, I have my. <laughs> You see why I have my leash off camera, though, yeah. or if you guys are on uh, listening on like Spotify or wherever, I, off off camera I have uh, some notes. And before we started, I said, this is my leash. This is how I, I avoid running into conversational traffic and getting hit by the car. Keeps me back on track. So uh, I, I got to ask, tell the people a little about a little bit more about you, those who don't know sure. your background or, or, or what you've what you've done. Right. So um, clothing brand mentor, as it were, John Phenom. I, I've uh, been in the apparel development space for well over like 23 years. Nice. Yeah. So I uh, I was like when I was 18, um, you know, I when I when I left high school, I was really looking for a career like what I wanted to do I was really ambitious like in high school I did a lot of things like I was uh I was a hardcore wrestler I was like a varsity wrestler oh okay yeah and then I did theater and then I was like president of the art club like all these that's a pretty big spectrum it's a big spectrum usually the theater kids aren't messing with the wrestling kids right I mean it's almost a dichotomy between the two like they're uh they're almost separate ends of the spectrum and so um we did a lot of things. I had like a dance crew with back in middle school. So anyways, I, I knew I wanted something multifaceted, but uh, I was really hungry to kind of figure out what my career was. And I met this guy that summer mm-hmm. when I was 18 and his name is Ali Asha Orkamor. And Ali had moved to California from New York. And he was uh, one of like, the, I would say he's like one of the, the founding veteran designers of streetwear movement in New York. Okay. Worked with nice. a lot of uh, big. I mean, there weren't many, but there were big labels at the time because it was like a new movement. Yeah, that must have been really fresh on the scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was the, it's like the whole conversation of like, um, you know, kids in the ghetto wanting to wear like polo or Ralph Lauren, and so you know, uh, more urban mm-hmm. type kids were like, well, let's just make our own kind of apparel. Yeah. Uh, he had moved here. A friend of a friend was like, you got to meet this guy Ali, and I was like, what does he do? Like he designs clothing. And I was like, what do you mean, like runway stuff? I, I, there was no, I had no concept. Yeah, because this is before, like now you say streetwear and everybody can tell you, oh, like Supreme. Like this brand, that Every, brand. Yeah. Exactly. Everybody says, oh, like this. But but back then, you go back 20 years even and streetwear, what is streetwear? You mean right. like, like there, there's no answer for that. Yeah. So, and then even, so skate goes, I mean, people can argue, but it, it, went through in and out phases of how big it was and then like like very much touching pop culture and then you know it's almost like rock and roll so that like the core heads don't like it or whatever yeah. <laughs> but this was the burgeoning beginning of that of that phase so it was it was like kind of an explosion with hip hop uh skate and surf and all of that so uh, the industry was like 
was forming. And so anyways, I met him and I was like, I don't know how to do that, but I can do that. Like this, it, I was like, yeah. this is the best job ever. I was like, I do not have to grow up. Something just clicked with you. Well, I went into an office, so it was it was it was like an office like this, mm-hmm. and then I walked in, and the, in the in the art department, there was like three dudes. Actually, all three of them um, were from the East Coast. Like Ali had kind of he had brought on his A team of people, mm-hmm. and those guys are all kind of legendary in doing other things in streetwear. One of the guys, Sung, ended up becoming the head footwear designer and did a lot of the best-selling shoes at, at, at uh, DC Shoes. So oh, this was at huge, DC yeah. Dub and Drawers back in the days. Mm-hmm. So people forget that DC had a, a clothing brand component and then a, a snowboard mm-hmm. company called Dub. So anyways, I rolled in, and I was just he showed me you know, uh, designing on the computer and uh, sample. They had a sample making room and the warehouse, and I was just like, "That's this is it." I don't, yeah. I don't know how to do this, but I can do that well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and so that was that happened. Um, so we this was in the the late nineties. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't afford a computer. Like mm-hmm. to me, being like starting out college, that was like buying um, like a low priced used car. Because yeah. it was not yeah. co- like they like I tell people this and they can't even relate. They still used to use the term computer nerd back then. Yeah, which is crazy because <laughs> our phones are computers, right? Yeah. And so I literally took classes at the community college so I could have access to their Macintoshes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, and I went. So I started a little T-shirt line, and I I, I was slanging that T-shirt line, and I, for two th- two reasons, like kind of a part-time job, but I needed to learn Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And so I did that, and that became a reference portfolio piece that got me my first job in 2000 as an apparel designer at a small skate company in San Diego. Can you, can you share the name of this? Skate yeah, company? it's Osiris Dude. Skate Shoes. He's Big being, shout out, I, Brian Reed. I asked him that because you say small skate company, and maybe well, they were small when you joined on. Yeah. But uh, I mean... I'm sure Osiris is so much bigger than one shoe. They did millions. So when I say, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I think about the crew that I was with. Big yeah. shout out to Brian Reed. Big shout out to Persuay, uh, and the whole crew there. But um, yeah, they did million. I mean, like they're doing custom shoes. Wow, we're going way back. They did yeah. custom shoes for Fred Durst, who oh, was massive yes. at the time. And like anyone who is touring big, I mean. We are reaching out and saying, hey, do you want custom shoes? I mean, you look at, I mean, it's come back in iterations, but yeah. people look at the shoe now and it's like a pillow. It's yeah. like a massive <laughs> the shoe. Osiris, by the way, we're talking about the Osiris D3. The D3. The D3, which, so, so me, born and raised here in Southern California, yeah. I never had the D3 because they were, at, I, geez, I'm guessing they were like 109 or 99 or some, somewhere in that range. They weren't cheap. Um, and me, you know, growing up kind of like lower middle class, one of five kids, like there's no way I was going to get the D3. Yeah. But did I see that darn shoe every oh, last everywhere. place that I went? Right. It's just so to me, like like when I found out that you worked at Osiris, I was like, this guy's working at probably the mo- one of the most iconic brands of of me growing up. And, yeah. and it's, it's funny because at the time you're probably only like a couple years older than me. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's just enough to where you were working there and I was just kind of just like in high school. Yeah. At, at the time, seeing the fruits of, of the Osiris labor there. Which yeah. Is kind I mean, of and this might be like, because um, th- I never really take apart the story. Dep- depends on where I'm getting interviewed. But uh, there's so many like hu- hustling lessons there. Mm-hmm. But like, for example, that interview, um, it just, it just ha- like, so Persuay uh, was, uh, he's a, a well-known graffiti artist. And then um, people don't know before that, like, I mean, he's, He's a, a veteran of design in the industry. So mm-hmm. he's designed um, graphics and like footwear, actual footwear design. But he had called me and is like, hey, everyone knew that I was looking for a job in the industry. It's the only thing I wanted. And he was like, hey, let's do lunch. And then I came in for lunch. And then Brian Reed, uh, the vice president, he came in. I didn't know who he was. He started asking <laughs> me questions. It was a job interview. And oh. I didn't know it was a job interview. They this like, is they wild. They sniped yeah. you. Like, they just like, like I w- <laughs> once I realized... I was like, oh, like, you know, like, like, what do you do in the, in the company? Because yeah. he, he was like 26 or 27 at the Jeez, time. That's and so, so I'm thinking yeah. it's this dude, you know what I mean? And he was just like, oh, I'm the vice president. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know if he was a, a pro skater or what. And then I was kind of like, is this a job interview? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, Persuade goes, hey, do you have some of your stuff? And this is the hustle moment I'm talking about, though. My portfolio was always in the trunk of my car. 
smart. That's correct. Yeah. I think that's a little crazy, but I for that one moment, I was like, yes, I have it in a car. I'll be back here in two minutes. Yeah, which is funny because this is pre-smartphone era, so you can't exactly just open up a little folder and swipe some, airdrop them. You're, no, you're nothing. Yeah, yeah so I you, still you, you have had it. it like zipped up in like a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still have. I mean, it's it's funny because I'll, I'll I don't think I'll ever work in house for a company again. But I still have my portfolio that's on matted boards and like a metal uh, portfolio case. Nice. Yeah, kids don't even know what that is. Anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like what is that? Like the art students know what that is. Everybody else is like, oh, sounds great, Grandpa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, from from there though, just to kind of cap it. Um, that was the beginning of my journey in like 2000, and then I ended up moving to LA, which I knew would happen. All of the fashion brands are out here. Yeah, um, made my way up to senior men's uh, designer, and then eventually creative director. And then the last company I was with in house, I was I was basically the president. I was like the the brand director. And so every aspect of the company, uh, I mean, like as a creative director, it's everything from like trending, uh, you know calendar you know, managing the calendar design yeah. all of that stuff all the way through to production so much more than just a cool t-shirt graphic oh it, it's it's just like it's insane the amount of work that goes into something that you buy in a in a retail store oh absolutely they're like taking apart the sausage is i mean that's pretty massive youtube video yeah. or podcast <laughs> uh, you probably yeah. can't even fit it into a single podcast yeah no th there's yeah. a lot so like being from the i mean it's it was crazy when i got when they're pitching me like, hey, we want you to run the whole company, I was like, oh, wow. Well, yeah. How heavy was that? Like, it was heavy lifting. Like, I, I, yeah. I definitely say that. Like, it was heavy lifting. Um, it was a good experience. And then, you know, starting out, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty competitive with myself. And I was just like, I would set up rules. Like, I just want to be one of the best designers in the space. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I'm good. There's a lot of people aesthetically that I think have real a lot better takes than me when when you're looking at different brand work of of, of people that like kind of art direct. But mm -hmm. like, I shifted a lot into uh, wanting to understand the logistics of how a company works. And so like, um, you know, I kind of dumb it down for 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 the internet. I'm like, oh, I'm a designer. But but really, sometimes I feel like a, a businessman disguised as a designer. Like <laughs> that's such a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could design a killer spring line, mm -hmm. but um, especially now, you know, in in my older age, I'm just kind of like I'm really interested in in making a company work and how it works. Uh, but it was a, it was a jump, you know. But even my first jobs as a designer. Um, sometimes I would have other coworkers say, man, you ask too many questions, <laughs> you know, but I would want to know, like, yeah. how does our part work with the bigger company mm -hmm. in the engine and, and, and how does the engine work? And then, and where are we headed? Like, yeah. Yeah. So it would make me answer other questions. Like, how can we do this quicker, faster with less effort? Yeah. Yeah. Which are all amazing questions to be asked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now, I, so I have a question like there's there's a huge difference and i feel like you're probably one of the best people to ask this question to because you've done all sides i feel like all sides of of a t-shirt if, if if anyone just picked up a t-shirt at a store you have been on every last possible angle of that except for maybe what no 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 i take that back i was about to say except for sewing the darn thing but you had your own custom denim line for a little bit yeah 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 that it, so you've literally done every last possible aspect of producing a piece of clothing yeah, I think so. Yeah, without being too humble, come on. Come uh, yeah, on. You, you could tell the people. Well, it's funny because uh, it, this whole part gets skipped, uh, and then when people find out, they're just like, "Wait, what?" So, so prior to the internet, I was known as John Phenom, the denim guy, the handmade denim yeah. guy, and so this was also in the early two thousands when I when I had moved to. LA, my best friend at the time was, he, he, I just wanted to be a designer and he just wanted to be a marketing PR guy. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I'm gonna use you as my muse, like let's do an art show and let's do something. And I had just randomly, my mom had this sewing machine and it was broken. And so I was like, dude, I wanna work with fabrics more cause I was only working on the computer screen mm -hmm. and I felt my knowledge in fabrication sucked at the time, which it did. And so I was like, I'm just going to make stuff. So I found the sewing machine. I took a look at the motor and I fixed it. And I just started making random things. And then I was like, what's the craziest thing I can make with a sewing machine? And I was like, that'd be nuts if I made a pair of jeans. Yeah. And so uh, I, I went and got a pattern. It was like... Um, it's so funny that you didn't start with like, what's the easiest thing I could make? No, you went straight for it. What's the hardest thing? Well, I, I had made, I had made, uh, I had made a couple things and, and, this is hilarious. I mean, because I didn't go to school for this. I, mm -hmm. I've actually been a judge 
and a guest lecturer at like fashion schools, but mm. I never went to school for it. So oh, that's crazy. I didn't know what pattern paper was. I didn't even know what a dart was. I didn't know what none of that was. Like any of the any of the traditional terms that you use for for fashion um, and tailorship. And so when I was making it, we still had um, paper bags, mm-hmm. and so I was like. Uh, I made this pattern that was like really old school. So when I made my first jean, it was like from the 60s or something. Like the yeah. waist was horrible. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess people just make changes to it. So I laid out a bunch of paper bags. I taped them together. And then I made my own pattern. And the second one I started wearing. And it just went it went crazy. Like nice. I didn't know that denim was a thing. Um, like its own category, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so because I was young and I was still learning fashion. But people stopped me everywhere. So from there, I, I, I did an art show in L.A. called Outfit. And I, I had guests from all around the world, like uh, Tokyo, New York, um, wow. L.A. for sure. And like yeah. um, all these people who collabed with me who otherwise wouldn't have collabed with me. And I, was, I just sent them like these handmade pair of uh, gen- denim jacket or jeans. And I was like, hey, do whatever you want to this. Um, I'll pay for shipping because artists are like... Not lazy, but sometimes they have no time frame yeah. of, of getting things back to you. And so that whole era was me, yeah, hand-making uh, jeans as That's John crazy. the Handmade Denim Guy. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. It, 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 I feel like that's why, it's one of the reasons why your channel is so successful. One of the reasons why I feel like so many people refer to you and your inspiration and your knowledge that you share is because you truly have a very unique perspective in this industry of, you've done you've done it all you've done it all done it all well and i think that's i think that's pretty rare what would you say is the biggest difference because here at heat press nation uh, a lot of our customers they're just starting out uh, with either their clothing line or their print shop what would you say is the difference between starting a t-shirt shop and a t-shirt brand or line what's like the biggest what would you say has the bigger struggle oh gosh that's a great question um and for those of you who don't know, I owned my own high volume shop for like three years. Jeez. So like, yeah, that we would. So you've truly done it all. Oh yeah, we this we guy. we printed for Blizzard was one of our our biggest clients. Blizzard the Blizzard the entertainment oh, here in Irvine. Jeez, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if they're bought out by now or there's that whole deal. But yeah, um, yeah they're one of our our big clients. Like uh, our productivity was was good. We were able to do like thousands of so units. So you're doing like the full auto screen presses. Yeah, we it? had two autos. We Jeez. had two two dryer yeah. chambers and then like managing like 20 employees, like accordion. So like, yeah, that's, on and off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's a huge shop. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so just want to qualify for people like, who's this guy talking yeah, about yeah. starting a shop? Um, so, so when it comes to starting... A shop. Oh gosh, the, the funny thing is that I did. I answered this in my YouTube channel, but the answers changed over time mm-hmm. um, because there's so many crafters in the space, and there's such a a big category now. Um, but they're both difficult. I think the trap with starting your own shop for production mm-hmm. now. De- I would say the the biggest thing is uh, for anything before I, before I answer this is be clear on your goal. So oh, that's good. If people are going, oh, I'm gonna do a clothing company and start with t-shirts and if i buy the equipment i might as well also take on some clients it can very easily go into client work mode and then mm. you will not have enough energy at the end of the day to say oh well what new looks do i want to put together for my brand yeah. so that's the biggest thing that i say um both of them are difficult um but again i, I just think like if because if your goal is like I kind of want to do something, but it'd be cool if starting a shop was like my main gig. Mm-hmm. Then at least you're clear on your goal. Okay. Yeah. And you can approach it. Yeah. That's a trip. So they both they both come with their own challenges. If you had to pick one of the well, I feel like you have actually, because you have your own brands and lines and you, you don't have the shop anymore. No, I don't. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I just feel like so like I feel like this is for everyone, but every moment is like what's the best and highest use of, of all of these skills that I've acquired. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm, I'm still really tight with my business partner. He's still running that business. Um, the and print shop? The print shop. Oh, Yeah, nice. he's still okay. going. And, uh, but I felt, uh, it, was, it was right around the time where I was like, what am I going to do with this YouTube thing? Mm-hmm. Like this, mm-hmm. so, um, so j- just for backstory. Yeah. Um, I've had my channel for a long time and uh, I tell people, it was like a Dropbox for me because because 
this is well over like 10 years ago, but YouTube wasn't what anything close to what it was now. Uh, yes, 100%. So I'm the guy that people would ask advice like, oh, I'm Jared's friend. He said you work in clothing and you'd be a good guy to ask. And I, I'd be like, yeah. And I, yeah, if Jared's friend, yeah, I'm cool. Like, what do you want to ask? Because a lot of people were gatekeepers, kind of. Like, you couldn't, oh, man, you couldn't uh, get someone to tell you who any of their producers were or anything like that. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. and now there's whole, uh, you know, like TikTok channels that's like, this is where Adidas makes this jumpsuit. I, yeah. just, I just saw that. You reposted that one, right? Yeah. Uh, that blew my mind, by the way. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's actually, because um, my, my feed aggregates it, there's mm -hmm. like another channel like that, and that dude is from China. So very interesting. I'm, I'm trying to get a hold oh. of both to like just do a video or talk about it that would be amazing yeah. yeah but i mean like it was elusive is what i'm saying and so uh people would ask me and so when i first started youtube it was just like let me put like 10 most asked questions on this youtube thing and so when it grew out um i forgot my password at one point <laughs> and it kept growing and so that's, I, sorry, there that's was funny. like i was in a break like um i was working for a company and then the parent company bankrupted and so our company was doing well, and out of us, out of nowhere, they, the the plug got pulled, and I, I I got a severance package. I was I was very grateful for that, but I was like, what am I gonna do? And I was like, oh, I should check out that YouTube channel, and it had like thousands of subscribers. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I think people really try to do that. So it was like while I was working and everything I'm telling you in my resume. I was like, what do I do with this YouTube thing? So I just kind of kept it going, and that's then, even before yeah. YouTube at the time was not viable as a source of income. Yeah. Like nobody was making money on YouTube back then. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like even, I mean, I tell people at different points, like even when I had like, let's just say like 7,000 subscribers, but I'm working full-time salary is like my dream job, like designing clothing. Yeah. But I was like, well, what do you, what do you do with this? Like, it's not a big enough check for like anything crazy, but it's 7,000 people that are listening to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, the, so a, a big event that happened was 2017 was a big kind of milestone. So Google asked me to speak at an event. Wow. Yeah, and it was an influencer panel. Like the, the, the email was like, hello, like influencer. And I was like, is this a joke? That's funny. And, and influencer yeah. was probably such a new term at that time. Oh, yeah, 2017. Yeah. And I was like, look at like, is there a hidden camera? Is this a yeah. joke? <laughs> and, I, and so the person called me. I was like, are you a real person? Yeah. And she was like, yes, absolutely. Like, I work for Google. And I was like, this is crazy. I was like, how That's did you true. find me? Uh, and she goes, I Googled you or I YouTubed you or whatever. <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, set amazing. myself up for that. And so anyways, and this event, it was, a, it was a live event. And then it was a panel of influencers. Everyone on that panel, to some degree, was starting to make it with um, social media. Most of them had a YouTube channel. There's like a model on there. Um, Chloe Couture was on there and she had like 4 million subscribers at the wow. time. So wow. she had an entire press team with her. And I was like, oh, I should maybe, <laughs> maybe take this really seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, it was a big moment where I was just like, oh my gosh, like these people are, uh, she was making a living doing it. Obviously. Like she had a whole press team. It was insane. And so I was just like, wow, I should really maybe double down or triple down on this. Yeah. That's amazing. Would, so now. I feel like a lot of your passions kind of converge on your YouTube channel because you have your passion without trying to rhyme. You have your passion for fashion. <laughs> yeah. But you see, it seems like you have a passion to just share knowledge because you're saying that like people were hitting you up for info and you're just like freely dealing it. You know, I, and I love what you said about not like being a gatekeeper and stuff like that. Like, yeah. like where does that come for you? Because not everybody's built that way. So, yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this early on too. I feel like I got a little bit of heat from it. I did. I, I remember I was like at a trade show and this dude was like, yo, wh why you be doing that? Why, you, why, why are you letting out all these secrets? And I'm like, I'm like, who cares? Like, yeah. you know, cause the temperature of things now is like the person who kind of gives the most value is going to win. Yeah. Right. It's pretty classic Gary V. Yeah. And so, but that wasn't the mentality back then. But, um, while, I have a huge love for fashion. I'm also kind of like a normal dude. Yeah. Like I'm a big MMA fan. Um, you know, I like to work out. Like uh, there's a lot of things I would rather skip 
uh, over just like watching uh, my nephew play soccer. Yeah. So, um, and I, you know, like I'm gonna be dead one day. So I'm just like, <laughs> not to be morbid. But there's such a real way to put it. That it's, it's true. We all yeah, if I could help someone yeah. on their journey. I mean, there's a couple things like so. Maybe on a competitive side, I could see where people are like, don't don't give up any secrets. But yeah. I'm also kind of like competitive. Also, where I'm like, I if you give most people the information, there's many cases where they won't even use it, you know, yeah. or they won't use it to its full potential. And if everyone annies up, I feel like it's good because then I'm just going to bring my game to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that kind of. I guess, can you, can you talk about your journey? How did that eventually, the YouTube, the everything, the information, how did that get kind of funneled into Clothing Brand Academy? And for those who don't know, can you tell us what Clothing Brand Academy is? Sure. So Clothing Brand Academy is basically, it's the wheelhouse for all my solutions. So mm -hmm. uh, courses, um, I, I feel like most of them are pretty like short form courses because uh, it you know, like I'll expand where I need to, but people usually want education quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but Actually, the most popular things as we're recording this, the most important things that are on the site that move a lot are the documents. So like, oh, yeah, a lot crazy, of people yeah. could talk about design. There's a lot of designers out there. But um, I guess on the part where I run, I've run multi-million dollar like clothing businesses mm -hmm. uh, is like, well, what's the process of workflow inside of the office? Like, what does everyone else do? What does the production manager do? Yeah. So I have like... Uh, real documents basically that are from like that I would use on a day to day from a professional million dollar company. People can incorporate yeah. that into their small startup. Yeah. Like my budget sells like crazy. I have, I have a, a, a master budget, mm -hmm. but in there is, um, I don't want to say a real budget from a company I worked at, but it's like, uh, it's very close. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, uh, it's very close to it and all the names are changed. But you can get a snapshot of a company that's doing like six million, oh, wow. and everything. That's... I don't think I think I left out the salaries, but um, but yeah. But and then that's accompanied with uh, a blank document or like my tech packs. I've um, I have my tech packs in Adobe Illustrator and EPS, like you would normally. But I also include like a Canva version that's free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. It's funny because. One thing that I learned uh, as I, because, you know, obviously, like, trying to be a good podcaster, doing my research, I, and then deeper than the YouTube, because I already knew you from YouTube. Yeah. But then going into, like, Clothing Brand Academy, it's like, wait, so you mean there's more to a t-shirt line than a good design? And it blows and it blows my mind as you're telling me, like, oh, yeah, the big sellers is the documents. The, it's the business side, because I feel like if you're a good designer, you're probably not struggling that hard to make a good design. Your t-shirt business is probably struggling for, like, a ton of other reasons. Right. What do you think are some of the big hangups outside of design that t-shirt companies have? Great question. So, uh, I love this. So all of that part is like very popular, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, look at how, how I designed this or a lot of other dudes that will send you like kind of like guru courses, yeah. you know, it's, it's very much like, um, you know, they're just going to show you like, I sold like 50 million of this. Yeah. And so more or less when I look into what the, the makeup of a lot of those courses, it's like how you made the, the sale quickly. It could be, it could be education with like Shopify or maybe like digital marketing or SEO marketing with all of that. But, um, the thing that I want to answer for you for the question is, okay, so how do we maintain that? Or what does it look like? Mm as like not a design person, uh, maybe just an entrepreneur or an operator and say, what does our productive workflow look like yeah. and how do we make it efficient? So, so that's the answer to me. It's like, um, it seems like uh, there's a lot of people who could get over and make a really good amount of money, whatever that number is. Like if you just want to uh, quit your job or make a good part-time amount, people could get to that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to pay a mortgage with it, like, how do you right, get to, like, right. Gymshark level or, you know, or enter any brand that you think is is, is popular? So um, getting to, like, I would say anywhere to the, like, in and around the $10 million mark is, is, is like, from $5 million to $10 million is where I'm comfortable, where I have been comfortable as a director. But trying to give people an idea of what that looks like. In a, in, a, in a more longer term or, like, just, like, a logistical professional 
uh, take on, on right. what the office looks like. So, so treating treating your business more as like, hey, this is something that wants to grow, that wants to expand, that wants to scale up. Yeah. Versus like, oh, it's my bedroom shop, and it's always going to be my bedroom shop, and yeah. I only ever want it to be my bedroom shop. Yeah, yeah. And along with that too, like anything that kind of looks sexy on on YouTube or on the internet or on TikTok, you know, and like there's a lot of that, and it's like so a lot of the a lot of the solutions I have are not very popular in terms of, it, it doesn't it sounds very boring you know what i mean yeah. like i could bring it down to like i'm very nitpicky about like style numbers yeah because if you're like like more like a nerdy production person like you know a style number can be the makeup of a it could tell you a lot about a garment and mm-hmm. where it's supposed to be or what seasons it's from and thing like that but like um you know when you get into organizing a company um that's that's something like a nitpick on where it's like oh it needs to be like this uh because now this this style like style number four that you do i'll know where it came from or where it's supposed to be or where mm-hmm. it is in the warehouse nice yeah, yeah. so so definitely like the the tools are, are that you have at clothing brand academy yeah are for scaling up it's for scaling up and it's yeah. just like you know, no one sells um, like office documents. They're basically office documents. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's amazing because it's true. Nobody sells that. So yeah. when somebody who is scaling up their brand yeah. is successful, if they're growing out of their, they went from their room to their garage to their rented warehouse space, and they're like, hey, and, they, and they, they're kind of like treading water because, you know, there's nowhere for them to grab onto. There's no, there is no blueprint for that, right. you know? And so I feel like you being able to kind of answer the call to those to those small business owners, I'm sure that's why they love you. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's um, it's an unexpected lab- labor of love. Um, my definite goal with it is is trying to be the best I can be, like giving people information that can level them up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And not and not only business. You also talk a lot about branding and design and just making things like look good. Yeah. Which I think is huge. Like, how important would you say? branding is to not just not just putting your your logo on a t-shirt but like how important is branding to the overall company like let's say for everybody who's watching or listening who they are starting their t-shirt line right like how important is branding to them overall it's the game it's it's it's, it's the, the entire game so so earlier uh you're you're asking like starting a shop is it yeah. more challenging than a brand if you boil down uh the making a successful brand which I'm sure it would not be debatable to say it makes X amount, right? Yeah, right, right. Whether you want it to be a part-time job or pay your mortgage, um, it's it's how big you get it. So if we if we kind of strip that down, it's like what's the difference from a plain white T-shirt and uh, if we just if we just screen print Nike on it, you know, like right. now that shirt which at cost, let's just say, I'll just throw it in, let's say $7, let's just say you have like a printed neck tag or, you know, whatever. But now we can sell that for 80 or like, let's do Supreme, right? Oh, geez, yeah. Supreme's crazy. They could, they've sold, I mean, they've sold bricks. Yeah. They've literally (laughs) sold bricks. Like it's, it's to the point where it's comical. Like even, even me laughing right now, it's like low key. If someone was like, yo bro, I can, I could get you a Supreme brick. I'm like, Wow, that's that's, uh, that's kind of cool, but I'm like <laughs> the the practical side of me is like that's crazy. Yeah, but do do you see even to have that conversation yeah, is the power we, of branding? Yeah, even if we're joking about it, we still understand the value of it. Right. Yeah. Like so, uh, so I don't know. Like so, I I have the brand I just launched. Right. If I if I grab a rock outside and I, I put uh, if I screen print non bait on it, like yeah. can I sell that rock for something? It's it's a it's an interesting idea. And so, at the core of this conversation. I, I do think like creating a brand is one of the most difficult things that you can do, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of competition, but just because it depends where you draw the line. Like if, if, if you and I come up with a name right now and then we start an Instagram, is that like a brand? And then we choose the, the handle on it that says it's a clothing brand. Yeah. Um, depending, maybe those people, maybe you count them as competing, yes or no. But to make it a viable product where there is a demand and there's a customer base that's like, we can't wait to see more. Yes. And they and they talk with purchasing is one of the most difficult things ever. So so yeah, branding is the whole game. It's not um, order black t-shirts and maroon t-shirts and hoodies yeah. and, and then, <laughs> oh, what do we do? We, we screen print on it. We do transfer on it. Like, like it's, it's creating an entity from scratch that not only do people 
know of, like you create awareness, mm-hmm. if you could get like a hundred people to love it, yeah. that's that's a pretty huge accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. I so I've in my time here at Heat Press Nation, I didn't know anything about the t-shirt industry, by the way, before I started here about seven years ago now. It'll be seven years next month. Uh, I knew nothing. Like two months after I started here, I was hooked. I bought my first heat press. I bought my vinyl cutter. Like I was like, I was in. Nice. And so in that time, I've tried a few different things. Uh, I've had my own like custom shop where I would do like low quantity orders. Cause you know, it's all whatever extra space I had at home, mm-hmm. extra bedroom, corner of the garage, etc. So, uh, but yeah, so I would do like custom, like low quantities for others. And then I've tried it about two or three times now um, where I've tried launching my own brand. Yeah. And, and to me, the satisfaction, and I was talking with uh, Brando a little bit about this, yeah. but the satisfaction of somebody not only buying a t-shirt, but asking me when the next drop is coming, that is, that's a high that's very uh, hard to beat. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. And then to have, to have that person be someone else besides my mom is even better. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's really cool. And so I, I just totally agree with what you're saying about like building a brand that has demand. Like that's. It's a challenge, yes, but it's a very rewarding uh, endeavor. And and you would know more than pretty much anybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, uh, while you're talking, it, it reminds me, uh, back in 2000, the first cut and sew item that I did that was probably relatively successful was just like a, a windbreaker jacket. Mm-hmm. And I remember we had some sort of festival, some sort of Coachella type thing, and this kid was wearing a jacket I designed, uh, one of those Cyrus jackets. Nice. And like, Oh my God. I was just like, I was geeked out. I was, I went up to him. I was like, Hey bro. Oh, that's a, that's a cool jacket. (laughs) And he's like, he's looking at me like some stranger, like this kid. I was like, Oh, where'd you buy that? He's like, I don't know, like a skate shop. (laughs) And I was like, that's a cool jacket, bro. And I was just like telling my friends, like I designed that. Like he's wearing something I designed. Yeah. I mean, after a while now, like, um, you know, if I see, if I had seen apparel from any of the brands I worked at, I I was like pretty, I'm like, okay, cool. Like selling millions of dollars of products going somewhere or, or, um, you know, a lot of people remember Arisu, the, mm-hmm. one of the brands where I was a creative director and our knits program was really popular. We did really good knits and like, I still have people to this day that are like, I used to buy like everything from them. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's crazy. Tight. Yeah. So you mentioned your, uh, you mentioned your, your new brand non-beta. Yeah. And what I think is amazing about that is you, uh, kind of coinciding with the launch, you, you had a video showing some of the transfers that you're using. You're yeah. actually using super color transfers for your new brand. Yeah. I, I think this is, for me, it's particularly amazing because you have access, you could print from whatever shop you wanted. You could use any method. I'm sure you have contact, like you're, I'm sure your list of contacts is like a hundred miles long. Like, so you're, it's not, you're, you're not short of a, of a print method, but the fact that you chose to use Supercolor, I think says a lot about the quality of the product. Right. Um, glad, glad you uh, got into this one. So, um, I have a huge love uh, for Supercolor. Big shout mm-hmm. out to Rum and the whole team, uh, Hamish and everybody at Supercolor. And so I got introduced to the product uh, two years ago. And and coming from print, uh, you remember this, so this conversation happens all the time. But everyone remembers what transfers were in the beginning. Yes. It was like garbage. Yes. It was like hot trash. Yeah. And uh, when people were using it, it was pretty much looked down upon. And so... I had come over to uh, the older Supercolor location and they did kind of a test print. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. This quality is out of control. And so, um, you know, so obviously doing some work with them, uh, it was actually a big prompt for me because this is a way a smaller like crafter can really get to the next level. I mean, I say this in my videos, but it's like having a screen printing shop on a piece of film. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, especially with super color via the 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 vibrancy of the full color. I mean, you know, that's yeah. like a 14 head press oh, auto. Dude, it, it's stuff that is pretty impossible with screen. Yeah. Like cuz you cuz I've seen like the simulated process videos and they're great, yeah. but you're still seeing like half tones and you're still seeing like having to do a little bit of ink removal let the color of the shirt kind of pop through. Right. You know, they they're doing all these different tricks to the process to even though they're using screen ink uh, to get that that look, to get that super or multiple colors, that, you know, photo quality, like right. they're still having to do a lot of tricks, right? To kind of to kind of make it a viable product, 
And then to me, like, and then of course the cost goes through the roof if you're if you're if you're the one buying those prints. Right. And then you have Supercolor. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. And two, you have your sheet. And two it's days. Like, it's what like, the heck? Yeah. It, it's it's just such a it's such a game changer. It's a huge game changer. And so, um, kind of in, inspired by that, um, also working with uh, Bella Canvas, mm -hmm. both of those two companies together, even saying, hey, let's do something. And they, so they didn't know about the conversation that I was having in my head where, um, so the concept for non-beta I've, I've had in a notebook for years, like mm -hmm. way over five years. So I have this whole, I, I did a video on it in my channel and I have like a course on it kind of, um, on clothing brand Academy about finding your name. And so on that course, basically uh, spoiler alert, it's like yeah. start a Evernote where you keep name ideas for your brand and, I will always come back to it because there are some names and I come back to it and it's atrocious. I'm like, well, well I'm, <laughs> like, was I drunk? Like, I didn't, like, what was that name's horrible? Oh, man. But if I come back to it and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. If I yeah. come back to it and I say, wow, I could, I could shoot off like 10 different ideas of graphics or garments or themes or seasons on yes. that. And so, um, Non-beta I put together because um, the two like the two words non and, and when things are in a beta test, like a program, it's like a test. It's yeah. like you're, they're just testing it, right? Like chat GPT is in, in, in yes, beta, right? which is right? why it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> a whole nother podcast there. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Woo, hold on to your jobs, people. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, I liked, I, I went and asked uh, maybe like five different like really close friends. Hey, when I say this name non-beta, what does that make you think of? And like, I got so many different responses and like, um, the, I, the word for me just sounded like vintage and new at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, the meaning for me, like, um, is non-beta. This is not a test. So for me, it's, it's, it's a sentiment of trying to live every moment of your life. Um, oh, I yeah. Love yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the internal meaning for me, but, um, like, Supercolor didn't know I was going to do this. Bella Canvas didn't know I was going to yeah. do this. And so I was like, um, to kind of kick off working together, they didn't know that I was going to launch a brand. And for my channel, I've kind of thought it, this is, although I kind of didn't want to do it, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't want to have a brand of my own for a long time. And so I, I haven't for a long time. I was just focusing on the content. And then I said, I think the next level is showing people doing it from zero. So yes. that's the whole concept. There's two concepts uh, or driving motivating factors, um, showing people doing it with like super color and like, hey, this is how I'm doing it with a one man show kind of, and then eventually growing it. And the other thing is just uh, using it as a vehicle to do collabs and merch with people. Yeah. Dude, that's that's incredible. I I obviously been to the non-beta site, yeah. uh, Instagram. Like, it it looks amazing. Like, I, I I I'm going through it. And I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. This guy, like, <laughs> like yeah, these designs are dope. Like, they're they're amazing. And now, now, question: Do you keep super color in mind when you're designing? Like, cause for me, that that's one thing. So my brand, uh, it's called Tuesday's Best. It's a it's a taco themed brand, right? Yeah. Um, and so all my designs when I was first starting, I was like. I got to pull this off with vinyl because like, I was like, okay, I, I don't know how many people are going to buy this. I don't know. Like, For practical so, cost reasons. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like, so it was, it was, it was a, my first set of shirts where it was like a, it was like a, like a tight IT with like a pocket logo on it. Okay. And so I was like, dude, no one's going to give a, give a darn about vinyl on a small little corner right here. Like no one's going to question it. Like it's just, it's there. Right. And so that worked a little bit. And so then I found myself for all my new designs. I was like, Okay, how can I make this work with vinyl? Because obviously I wasn't doing like a lot of business, right? Um, but it, but it was small enough, and I it was consistent enough. So I was like, okay, I can keep this in house. So I'm designing with vinyl in mind, and then right. on the latest version before, and I've mentioned this other part. I'm not gonna keep repeating myself on this podcast, but yeah. But basically, like I had a kid, and then I just like put a pause on all my business. Sure, family yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and so, but then towards the end, I was like. Oh, because you know, Supercolor comes along, and I'm and I'm buying it, and I'm testing it, and I've done a few uh, shirts with Supercolor, and now I'm like, oh, dude. So now Supercolor, the 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 medium, it it influences my design now, because now I design with that in mind. Have you have you found that that's the case where you're like, oh, this would be great with Supercolor. This would be great with screen, or or you know, two thousand percent. Oh, like two thousand percent. Um, so, uh, yeah. It's funny because it's not what you think. Like the push for me to have a clothing line was my whole goal when I was like 20. 
But then yeah. that time came and well, well, you know, the time came and passed sort of. And then I was like, dude, I could just live behind a laptop, uh, be this guy online. But um, as you might know, like having a clothing company is the most opposite from that because we deal with physical product. Yeah. And yeah. so the big push for that was uh, was working with these companies and working with Supercolor. But the collabs are, are starting to get booked now. So the big oh, push cool. was working with other people. So content creator, influencers, pro athletes. Like I have people that I, I'm like, dude, it would be it would be crazy cool to do something with this person. Yeah. Um, but there was there kind of wasn't a right space to do it. But now uh, I'll give you an example. So uh, we're in the midst of getting the final things done with like um, there's a rapper here in L.A. called Pretty Papes. Mm hmm. And we're doing something with uh, a song or a single that he's dropping. Oh, that's yeah. cool, dude. So that him, is really cool. Uh, there's uh, and these names are gonna be like all around the board. So a good friend of mine, uh, Francis Kenneth, he's like a fashion blogger. Okay. Right. So um, yeah, he basically he's one of those guys. He's just uh, he's almost like a trend forecasting for for. I'm sure he's on someone's trend forecasting board, but yeah. But luckily, like he's a good friend of mine. And so um, he has a great followership. So I'm like, let's do something. We're starting to do something. And then in the YouTube world, I'm friends with uh, Identical Reactions. So uh, those are identical twins <laughs> out yeah. in Texas. And um, and they basically just do reactions. But like I've known them from San Diego. Okay. So like it's 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 all it's all across the board. Like all these different people. Like at the end of this month, as we're shooting this, uh, there's a dancer in Sacramento named Concept. Right, and so all these people are like, dude, that's, that's incredible yeah. to have a platform to be able to make so many connections. Yeah. Uh, before we came on, on before we came on and started recording, I was telling you like, I love this podcast because I get to make so many, so many connections. And I feel like as you get older, you can't exactly just like call your buddies and be like, hey, let, let's go out tonight or whatever. It's like, but if you have something business related, if you have oh, yeah. a, a collaboration opportunity, then it's like. I don't know. As adults, like, it's, it's easy work. to kind of justify yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, babe, I'll be back a little bit later. Uh, it's for work. It's for work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so all my travel coincides with work, and I love to travel. Mm -hmm. And, like, just like you, like, um, I'm super social. I mean, I love, like, hearing people's stories um, is just, it, you know, it just it makes me feel alive. And I love to hear uh, people's stories and how they overcame things or just what they, when they're doing, like, really good work. Yeah. Um, like, so all those collabs... Like I'm super geeked out and, and excited to make the product for. Um, in the summer, I'm 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 going up, uh, back up to the Philippines oh, to see nice. my family there. And uh, obviously, I mean I have I have the second collab is not is not locked in yet. But there's there's a brand out there called Team Manila, mm -hmm. and um, they're massive out there and they have retail. And so Joey, the the founder of that brand, uh, I've known him. I I hosted. I hosted like um, a Filipino and Filipino American podcast mm. uh, way back during COVID, and so um, yeah, we had uh, we we've kept in contact. He has a big brand out there, but yeah, so so with non-beta and and also even using Supercolor, all of it is kind of uh, a formula to work with all of these other uh, brands and influencers and content creators. I love it. That's that's super cool. I I like to listen to a lot of different podcasts, and I was listening to one with I want to say it was Armchair Expert. With Dax Shepard. And that's not that's not an industry podcast. It's just like a general no, market yeah, podcast. And yeah. I forget who he was talking to. He's talking to some old actor. And basically what they were getting to is like, dude, at a certain point in their career, like you just take movies because you want to hang out with people you like. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you know, because obviously it's it's fun making for them that what they're saying is they're saying it's it's fun making good movies, it's fun making good product, but you know, at a certain point you just want to hang hang out and work with people you enjoy. Yeah. And and I'm like, like I totally understand that. Uh, we were talking before, again, before we came on camera. You were asking us like, how long we've been here, and it was funny because I hadn't really thought about it. But a lot of the people here at Heat Press Nation, yeah, have been here for years. Yes, and and that's super cool. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I I genuinely like the people I work here. Yeah, I work with here, and like and and so let me ask you this: like, yeah. throughout your career, what? Obviously, like not every workplace is amazing. Not every workplace. It, some a lot of them are good, I'm sure. Yeah. But like, was there a particular point where you looked around the room and you were like, "Oh, I could hang out with these people forever." Like, just like these. Are, this is a good spot to be. Yes, there has been. There's been way more instances where is there's a ton of crazy people. <laughs> I mean, streetwear and oh, fashion. Yeah, that's true. It's like working in music, right? I mean, it's all the yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of the cool guys from high school, and it's like how much business is getting done. <laughs> 
but yeah, they are, or, you know, like there's just, there's always like one or two like maniacs that yeah. ended up at a, at a streetwear company. But, <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll, to answer your question though, I n- I'll never forget like, um, so this came from problem solving as, as a creative director when I was at a, a brand, that brand, Arisu. Mm-hmm. Um, the parent company had lost a ton of funding, so we had to cut a bunch of full-time employees. Oh, so we lost, we lost. I would say one and a half designers. So we mm-hmm. had one dedicated designer, and then a designer we shared with like marketing. And so I had to problem solve. So I'm like, we're gonna lose our shirts, and I was like, how do we continue? And it's not our fault, but we were we, we were meeting our marks for our money. But in any case, I was like, I oh, know we're. It came to me at like two in the morning. <laughs> So I, I show up the next day and I tell my art director, I was like, I know what we're going to do. I was like, don't worry. I know what we're going to do. So I started an internship program. Mm-hmm. And at that time, people were still uh, bouncing back from the mortgage crunch. Right. So there's a lot of designers out of work. And so I was like, hey, we're looking for interns. We went on social media. I was like, hey, we're looking for interns. It's a real brand. We're doing millions. We're, we're, in dif- we're distributed from here to Russia, like all around the world. And so... Um, it ended up bringing together a team of like, I think six to eight people. And so we even had a nickname for the whole art crew. It was like a second brigade. Mm -hmm. And like, it was a makeup of different people, like freelancers to interns that just wanted experience. And they took up the rest of that person and a half Mm -hmm. and, and made it possible for us to accomplish the work very easily. But the camaraderie in that group was so strong. I mean, yeah. So, as a creative director, like um, things that are, I would say different than the typical uh, creative director because people expect a certain thing, mm-hmm. and I'm way more logistical than the person who's theory based in terms of like I'm all about just the art. I'm actually more about data and the bottom line, which is weird for a creative director. But in terms of people and ambiance, um, I'm really concerned with the nature of the group. Mm-hmm. So I would rather get. I don't want the best designer or production manager, I want the best one that can play well with others. Like, yeah. Yeah, yep. like, because I'm like, look, guys, we're going to be here eight to ten hours a day, every day. So it's, you know, it's called work for a reason. It's not called fun. <laughs> yeah. But if we can have fun, <laughs> yeah, like, let they, we can have fun. That's so let's funny. try to have fun. So, um, oh, gosh, I have so many stories, but just interviewing uh, designers for that job, there's so many ego... Like their egos oh, don't come in the room yeah. and it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, there's no way I'm going to hire this person. It's, it's crazy. So I'm looking for, you know, s- someone in the top 10, but if you're the ninth one, but the person just seems affable and able to continue fostering a good atmosphere is mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. You know? Not, yeah. Yeah. Pe- people, people first for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you get like. Guys, I was asking how long people worked here. <laughs> I got the number seven. You know, like, <laughs> right? I mean, if you do studies now, yeah. people aren't people aren't staying at companies over two years. It's like a yeah. year and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so seven years. There, there's people in this. Yeah, we this is a good tens. company. We have. Uh, we actually have two tens right now. And wow. like, I can't share the secrets, but basically something cool happens here when you make it your ten years. Right. So I'm trying to stick around for that. I got. I got three more. All right. Yeah. Well, so the reason I'll. I'll ask that. So that's, that's me with like kind of the executive question mm-hmm. and not has nothing to do with art or, or, or designing anything. It like, like I told you, it tells me a lot about the company very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So when I would go, there's certain questions I would ask when uh, people wanted me to work at another brand. I was like, oh, it's just a question like, oh, how long has everyone been working here? You know, but is it scary when you hear, oh, I'm new, he's new, he's one year. Like, is, it, uh, is that a red flag for you? So, well, streetwear, and it doesn't exist the same way that it did, like, I would say, like, even five years ago or ten years ago. Like, it's it's very small now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I expected it. Like, a lot of uh, my first several months uh, kind of getting into the helm of a new brand is cleanup. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's it's horribly organized and just, there is no best practice. Like, there's no standard. So I'll create a standard, a cleanup, and then it's like, okay, how can we let's how can we make more money and make this pump this up, basically? Yeah, yeah, love it. A, a lot of our a lot of our customers here at Heat Press Nation, they're they're upstarts, brand new. 
they have an idea, they have a concept, they want to either proof of concept or just straight up take it to market even even in a small market, which which is one thing I do love about the internet is that now you can have a small market if you want to. But my question is, with so Supreme is gigantic. Stussy or Stussy, I never knew how to say that word. Stussy, you have, you, so you have established streetwear brands that have made it from streetwear. You have Crooks and Castles starting out and then they go to Macy's, right? So you have all these like different streetwear brands that have gone mainstream. It, it seems like there's no shortage of streetwear brands these days. My question is, do you think it's still possible? Cause you have all the experience, you know, you're, you're like my, you're like my crystal ball into the future. Do you think it's still possible for small streetwear brands to break into the mainstream or do you think it's too saturated at this point? So that's a good question. I think, so I, I bring it back to this, right? Like, um, like what are your goals? So mm. like, one of the biggest products I sell actually is not, or it is on Clothing Brand Academy, but it's consulting. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll consult with, with brands all the time and they come from all over the place and have different goals. So the, the first thing I'll say is what's your goal? So if you're a brand that wants to get into uh, uh, Macy's or Nordstrom's or Tilly's or Active, right, which are big uh, retailers yeah. here, that's a different goal. Okay. And and because mm -hmm. you can go direct to customer and do a million dollars. You can you can do it. Yeah. And 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 there's a million brands out there that I probably don't know that are doing a million dollars. And so if if you have a small group, like a small team, you can do very well with a group and never sell at one of the aforementioned retailers. Mm -hmm. So it depends on your goals. Uh, like okay. as an example, um, obviously I have a lot of friends that can I can get meetings with some of the aforementioned retailers and i think that's like uh like season two of when mm -hmm. i when i begin dropping all the content of me growing the brand in real time um but even now like i don't want that like it's so much easier to sell direct to customer so um so i think one of my answers to your question is you don't need to break into mainstream and have everyone know it and and be super successful oh that's yeah. dude that's that's so uh that's so mind-blowing i feel like i still have the old mentality of oh wow but i have to i have to be in a macy's to be successful right. it's kind of like with music so me and my brother's in a band uh you know whatever uh <laughs> yeah and i'm from the age where it's like no no you didn't nobody wanted to be independent everybody was going for the record deal as if that was the end game yep, yep. until about 10 years ago 2013 we actually had meetings with a few big labels wow and then we 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 get the contracts and then we're like oh this is kind of weird this isn't the magic carpet ride oh the contract we, was horrible aka well even even the good one the better contracts that we were offered we're looking at it and we're like oh wait a second this is not and then we're, we're talking with other artists who have been already been on those labels and they're like yeah no no getting a record deal is not like winning the lottery it's like going to college like, oh, it's like the beginning yeah it's 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 the beginning of the next level it's so right. much work and so and so i feel like like with, with your answer right now because yeah. me i'm like once my brand gets into Nordstrom, I'll have made it. Right. And and from what you're saying, it's like, no, no, no. That's first of all, you don't need that. But second of all, it's probably not even like the end all. Right. So really quick to give some value on this, because um, I definitely will meet with brands and say my whole goal is that like I want to be in Nordstrom's or, or whatever it is. Yeah. That whole game, which no influencer is going to really talk about. Maybe me and Gary Asiane at T-Shirt Help Desk. But uh, just because I know he has a, both of us have a background working in apparel, um, but yeah, there's gives there's there's definitely give and take with it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those big retailers are gonna need to tap into your warehouse, and what's what you have for quantities, and so they're making big monster buys. So if you don't have that liquid money ready to Ooh. create production, because they'll have terms. Yeah. These these big companies might have 60 day terms, maybe 90 day terms. It depends and it depends on what their leverage yeah. is, right? And so while the buys will allow you to get really cheap minimums on your garments um, and they will basically make a season for you, like you'll make money. Once that money comes in, you have to account for, their, well, your accounting yeah. needs to be <laughs> very, very on point and it, it freezes you up to a certain degree. Um, also you're holding your breath 
for a little bit, right? Until yeah. you really pad your bank account, uh, your corporate bank account. And so there's give and takes to it. The sexiness of saying I'm in this shop is always going to be a thing. Um, mm. But that's why I say on the other side, if you go direct yes. to customer, you could win. It's like it's winning like person by person. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or sale by sale. Dude, such amazing insight. Like I feel I feel like there's there's like for the people who who are on this path, uh -huh. I feel like everybody here is just just dripping in gold right now. <laughs> just like, yes, like give me more, give me more. So if uh, you in your video, I believe that you released yesterday, oh, one wow. of your one of your bits, uh, not bits, but one of the segments was yeah. you're talking about organization. And which is funny because yesterday I was interviewing and I don't know what order these are going to be released. Podcasts are going to be released in. So sure. I'm, I'm saying yesterday, this podcast may not come out for like another couple of weeks, but uh, I, I was interviewing uh, Lee Stewart who has uh, a big screen print uh, YouTube channel. And so he was saying that his cheat code that he just recently discovered has been his organization. Cause I asked him, you know, I'm like, dude, like, like what's your, what's your, what's your big secret? And he goes, dude, it's my Google calendar. I, and so he was telling me how like organization was like his cheat code. And he was saying like, oh yeah, if I would have started, you know, being disorganized a couple of years back, I'd be so huge by now just because that's what powers me. And so when you were talking about organization and how you use like Evernote and different things like mm -hmm. that, uh, it was really like, I'm going to be honest, like in my heart, I was like getting cut a little bit. I was like, oh, cause organizations where I suck. right? <laughs> so having both of those, hearing that both yesterday, First of all, like really like convicted me to just be better at organization. Yeah. But can you expound on that a little bit? Like, like, like organization, is it, I feel like it, like asking it, it's almost rhetorical to say, is it really that important? But what it, I should, I should say it like this, what is organization to you? How has it affected and influenced your success? Ooh. Okay. Um, this, so there's two ways to answer this. So as, as John Phenom, there's, there's a couple moving parts, right? There's Clothing Brand Academy. There's me as a, as a content creator. Uh, there's now there's, I, of course, I'm I like throw non-beta in the mix. So being effective at all of those things to a certain degree is, is, is pretty essential how I break down the moments that I want to happen mm -hmm. in my life from now until when I, when, when God calls it quits on me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like it's very important. So, uh, you know, I'm older and I want to make sure that all of those things are kind of fulfilling for me. Like I told you, my thought process behind non-beta, I could, there's another version of me that never dropped the brand and I'm just kind of the, the YouTube guy and I think I'd have good content, but yeah. um, in the end, it's a good decision for me. Now, the second way to answer this is is to give more value to people is when you are kind of doing an operation or you're a crafter and you want to go to the next level, um, Everything from understanding, like, I, I'm presupposing you can you can bust out some good designs. Yeah. Right? So let's yeah. start there. <laughs> that's, that's a given. Let's start. So yeah. if you can bat them out of the park, like you just drop designs is like, dude, this just sold out. I got to order more blanks. And that sort of thing is good. But moving past that and understand how you can hit bigger milestones uh, in terms of it's the for me, the creative part is how am I creative with this? the the kind of capital that I have, uh, utilizing blanks, utilizing looks, mm -hmm. um, and then keeping everything in mind and juggling all of that, right? Like, let's say you order from Sanmar and they're always out of a black color of whatever oh, your favorite yeah. style is. And so it's like, wow, it would be really great when they re-up if I have enough money to order a ton of those. So if I do my next two designs in that black color of that style number, I already have them in stock. Right. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's the part that's not, it's not that fun to yeah. make YouTube videos about. <laughs> yeah, but for but me, if, if you can stay on top of those things organizationally, mm -hmm. it's the difference of, of years and years of excelling, getting to, let's just say, getting to a million dollars way quicker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A million dollars sounds nice to me right now. Yeah. I, I could use a million. Yeah. yeah. Shoot. <laughs> you and me both. All right. And, th and this is the last question. Uh, and it's a question I like to close with because I feel like it's, it's helpful to a lot of people. Please. If we had a little time machine, right? A little DeLorean parked out front. Nice. We can go back in time to, what was it, 99 when you, you know, right, or right before you started out Osiris. Yeah. If you could give young John Phenom some advice to help him through his journey, like what, what would you tell him? Like what advice would you give your younger self? All right. I mean... First of all, on probably like my lowest lows, I would probably like to tell the younger me 
don't have a panic attack. Yeah. Everything's going to work out. Um, so I would say that. Uh, yeah. And then, like, everything else is advice I took for myself. Like, I doubled down when I thought it was the right time to double down, which is what I would probably tell myself. Um, I am not a patient person. I would probably try to tell myself to be patient, but yeah. probably even now I'm, I'm not <laughs> as patient as I should be. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I would never have to tell myself this because uh, my dad drilled it into our heads. I mean, it's how we got here from the Philippines. But he was he's he was just like, you got to be the hardest work in the room and you yeah. don't need to tell anyone that you're doing it. Because the I have found the most confident people do not need to brag about themselves. Like other people will talk about you. Yeah. The work yeah. speaks for itself. Just work. Yeah. 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 I just love get it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, well, seriously, thank you so, so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, once again, for those of you guys watching or listening, this has been Customizing Culture. My name is Jared here with Heat Press Nation, and our very special guest today has been John Phenom. John, dude, 100 million thank yous. Thank you so dude, much. Appreciate you guys so much. Awesome. Well, we'll see you guys around. Catch us in the next one.